and things. Um, first, I uh, want to remember uh, evening service tonight. Uh, ladies ministry, if you have not already paid in full, all funds are due now. Uh, if not, we send out bounty hunters in about a week or so. Uh, so no, I'm just kidding, but, but, but do, do, do get it in, all right, uh, if you can. And then uh, upcoming Sunday school schedule uh, this morning, uh, Brother Stephen Dalton, thank you, uh, Mr. Stephen, for filling in this morning because we got a membership class going on, so that's a praise. Uh, we've got several who are in the class. We had a good one this morning, I think. They didn't run out of there screaming, so that's good. Uh, so we're still on pace to add some members here to the church in a few weeks. So uh, be praying for them and be praying as well for the other guys who'll be filling in. Brother Josiah, uh, he's up in the sound booth today. He'll be doing Sunday school next week. So y'all pray for him. And uh, then the following week will be uh, Tony Hicks. And so y'all pray for him. He'll be the following week. And Tony is actually gone today and uh, next Sunday preaching uh, at his dad's church. So y'all pray for him as well while he's doing that. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, we do have our missionary, A.J. James. Everybody knows A.J. James, right? Uh, he's a great missionary of ours that we support. Uh, every year he does the shoebox ministry um, where we put together Christmas shoeboxes and we send them out to everybody, uh, and he takes them and delivers them to those who are in need. Uh, so here's what he's needing, though. Uh, he's needing a little bit of funds uh, to help out with the boxes and things. Last year they had 1,500 total Christmas shoeboxes, and I think we were 100 of that uh, or, or, or more. Uh, so praise the Lord for that, but this year he's wanting to see about doubling or if not even tripling that goal, and so needs some, some extra funds for the supplies, the boxes, the fuel and things to fly everything everywhere. Uh, so if you're able to give or, or feel led to give, uh, please put it out an offering, an offering envelope, mark it AJ James or even Shoebox uh, for Christmas, we'll, we'll get it there, okay? Um, and that will be a big help to their ministry. Then September 24th. Uh, that's next Sunday. The seniors ministry will be having a lunch fundraiser uh, for their upcoming trip in November to Sight and Sound Theater. Uh, so next week uh, they will be having uh, spaghetti, salad, and desserts for to-go plates. So everybody, next week I got your lunch plans. All right, uh, you'll take a week off from going to Rio. All right, and what you'll do is you'll come to the back after service, grab you a box, uh, drop some cash off to help support the seniors, and uh, go on home and enjoy that meal. Uh, so as well, seniors that are going on the Sight and Sound Theater trip after church, if you can, please see me. I'll have a sign-up sheet for some uh, items that need donating for that meal, okay? And that will help out. And uh, next Sunday, you guys will be needed to help out a little bit. I'm trying to fill in a little bit for Danny and Brenda while they're out. And uh, y'all continue to pray for them. Her recovery is going well right now. Uh, she's doing well. Hopefully, uh, get home sometime this week, perhaps. So, so keep praying. And, uh, but we are thankful for how far she has come. Um, as well, I want to remind everybody too, September 29th, we have a fifth Friday Family Fun Fling Ding. We're going to have fun, fun, fun until we're done, done, done. I'm trying to see if I can get new, uh, new records of, of quickness on that. But uh, we'll have activities for the kids, fellowship, food. If the weather's good, what we'll do is we'll have it out back. Uh, we'll have a bonfire for s'mores. We'll um, have cornhole and volleyball and all that good stuff. We'll have a good time, all right? So come out that uh, for a good time of fellowship. Reminder as well, uh, I'm going to keep reminding it over and over and over again until you're sick of it. Uh, living in spite of conferences coming up quickly. Uh, we've got a lot of folks in the community that are getting registered, but we need a lot of folks from our own church that need to get registered, all right? So here's what I'd like you to do. Either one or two things. Either one, register online, or two, we have a sign-up sheet for you in the back. But what this does is it doesn't secure you a ticket to get there. Rather, it's just to help us plan for meals, for resources, for books and things that we're offering. We want to help hurting people. And let's be honest, all of us have hurts. 
All of us have traumas in our past, anxieties about our future. All of us are dealing with griefs and loss of life and loved ones and a multitude of trials that we face every day. And we believe that this conference will help you and give you some tools and resources by God's grace uh, to help you in your time of need. And as well, not merely help you, but help you to help someone else who's going through a trial as well. That's what the Lord does through our own trials as He helps us to help others. So please sign up and make plans. And there's as well postcards, invitations on the back table and then as well heading out the double doors. Uh, as well, men's prayer advance coming up January 25th through the 27th. If you would like uh, to attend men, uh, if you have not, I encourage you. If you haven't gone in a while, I encourage you to come. Sign up sheet in the back. We'll start announcing about money and funds due here soon. Uh, but the cost of the total trip, registration, and the hotel will be 200 bucks. okay? And so if you can uh, do that, we would love to have you, and we promise it will be a, a great time. Uh, Psalm 40 this morning, verses 1 through 3. Just to help our hearts this morning, psalmist uh, is David here, and he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I wish I could say that, don't you? <laughs> I wish I did anything patient. He says, and he had inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Today, I hope you're able to sing a new song for the Lord. I hope you're able to sing with a heart that is able to look and to see that we have cried in the Lord, that He has heard our prayer, that He's a God who desires to answer prayer and delivers through our prayer. And ultimately, He has established us and set us upon a rock. And that rock that we are established on is the rock of ages, the rock of Christ. So on upon Him, we will stand, we will sing, we will worship, we will fellowship, we will preach the Word and we will gather around uh, the work of God in our life and we will sing unto Him. And notice this, here's the fruit of it. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. One of the greatest reasons why today every one of us should stand and sing uh, unashamedly and with a heart full of gratitude is because we never know what the person in the seat next to us is going through and we never know the impact that it may make on someone who does not know the Lord. We are walking billboards and testimonies of God's grace. So this morning, we're going to stand and we're going to sing about what that means. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this day. We're grateful that we can gather. We're grateful that we can worship you and praise your name. We're thankful for the work that you're doing. Lord, we've got uh, members who are, who are wanting to join uh, as members of the church. We've got folks who are willing to go to the class. Uh, men who are willing to step in and to fill in a need and to, to deliver your word. Lord, I pray that you bless those men. God, we, you've answered prayer over the week uh, and weeks and months and even years. Lord, the way you've preserved and built your church and continue to establish her. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the work that you're even going to do today. And God, we don't know all these things that you're doing. We don't know all the growth that takes place. Lord, you, you grow and you work oftentimes in the unseen and the unnoticeable from our human eyes. But Lord, help us to have eyes of faith today to trust your work in our own life and in the life of your church. We pray, Lord, today, if there's one who does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today they would be born again, that they would repent and believe the gospel. Lord, for each one of us who do know you, God, I pray that we'd find our hope and our help in the gospel of Christ, that today as we sing, as we fellowship, Lord, that we would do so with hearts that are desiring to glorify your name. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessed be the name of Jesus, and good morning. If you're able, please stand, and we'll get started singing. Holy, holy, holy. That was playing on the back there on the sound booth there. They had something going there. Holy, holy, holy. So that was a blessing. Revelation 4 8 tells us, and the four beasts 
had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Amen and amen. Holy, holy, holy. Hymn number three in the hymnal. sing today be pleasing and glorifying unto the Lord. Our next song is hymn number 153, Worthy of Worship. Revelation 4:11 tells us, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created for His pleasure. Worthy of Worship. Worthy of worship 
songs hymn number 338 wonderful grace of jesus second corinthians 8 9 tells us for ye know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich we're rich in his grace of salvation amen Wonderful grace of Jesus. Wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Take Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus Deeper than the mighty rolling sea 
higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me. Broader than the scope of my transgression, sing it greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise his name. There's a high one there. <laughs> Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching to all the Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression, sing it greater far than all my sin and shame. of Jesus, deeper than the mighty rolling sea, higher than the mountain, sparkling like a fountain, all sufficient grace for even me, broader than the scope of my transgression, sing it greater far than all my sin and shame, oh People say it. Amen. Amen. All right, don't sit down. We're going to have our little greet time here. And uh, shake hands, share a smile, a hug, whatever be glorifying unto the Lord. Be, please make sure our visitors get a welcome there.
thank y'all for being very sociable and greeting everyone. I see a lot of smiles on faces and handshakes, and what a blessing that is to see that. Thank y'all very much. And if we would, all make our way back to our seats. Okay, we have a special now by Cammie and Emma. <laughs> Going to help out there. So, Cammie and Emma, y'all go ahead. I won't do the, uh, this is so-and-so's husband's <laughs> wife. No, we ain't doing that no more. <laughs> That's too much, ain't it? <laughs> oh, I'm tickled now. <clears throat> Let me regain my composure. That got me tickled. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and give Joe credit for this. Uh, mark it down, okay? Um, so last night I was practicing, and I was just going through, like, all my songs, and I'd opened, I have this one hymnal that I love, and I opened it, and I was just sitting there, and from the other room I hear, why don't you do the love of God? And I was like, get out of my head, because I'm literally looking at it. So I played it, and I finished it, and he goes, then transition into how deep the Father's love for us. And I was like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, try it. So this is all his doing. So if it, if it crashes and burns, it's okay. It's his fault. <laughs> Yeah. 
Amen. We appreciate that. His wounds has paid my ransom and your ransom. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and please pray with me. Our precious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Uh, this is the day you made for us, Lord. And we appreciate it. And we rejoice and are glad in it. Lord, thank you for the rain coming down from heaven. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings coming down in here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. We pray, Lord, our songs and words bring honor and glory to you and please you because we're singing of you and for you, and you give us the air to breathe, the, the voice, 
Lord, to make a joyful noise and the, the music, the piano that, that makes the singing so much better. We praise you and thank you for that. And all that takes a part in this service, we thank you. Thank you for our pastor. We lift him up to you and ask, Lord, you'd bless him, strengthen him. Lord, fill him with your spirit this morning. And, uh, Lord, just help him to preach your word to your people and to the sheep of the pasture, Lord, your pastor. And we will praise and thank you for all that's accomplished. We pray for that precious soul that might be lost in our midst, that that person be saved, uh, Lord, before it's eternally too late that today will be the day of salvation for that individual. We pray for the Christian, Lord, uh, that we'd be encouraged and even convicted of things in our lives. And, Lord, we'd be glad to say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord today because this is your house, Lord, and we thank you for letting us come. Thank you for the freedoms we have in our country. And we pray for our nation, Lord, and ask, Lord, you'd help us to be a better better people for you. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray all things. Amen. And if you're able, please stand one more time, and we'll sing a beautiful song, His Mercy is More. Love singing about God's mercy because we experience it every day that we live. We experience God's mercy. Psalm 136.1 tells us, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Glad of that. Glad his mercy don't run out. Praise God, his mercy is more. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is 
Riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cause. We stood neath the dead we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the give a hand to the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. And now our beloved pastor. You come on, Pastor Joe. Amen. Great uh, songs this morning. Grateful to worship the Lord and and, uh, to do so together. And I I want to get us going with this this morning. I want everybody to to go ahead and, and do this, all right? I want you to say these words after me, all right? Jesus loves me. All right, let me try that again. One, two, three. Some of y'all still aren't even happy about that. Did you know that? Jesus loves you. Woe unto us if we ever miss the thought that Christ loves us. We are in real spiritual danger when we begin to slip out of the simplicity of what we teach our children to sing Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves the little children. May we never forget that it is the simple things that are the most profound and impactful when it comes to spiritual things. To simply know today, if you don't know anything else, I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. He came while you had a sin debt that you could not pay. He said, I'll pay it and I'm going to pay it with my blood. He laid down His life. He shed His innocent blood for your guilty blood, for your guilty heart, your guilty soul, for my guilty heart, my guilty soul. He bled so that I can live. He died so that I can live and be forgiven. He was buried. He rose again the third day according to the Scripture to offer His eternal and everlasting mercy to all who will come. Matter of fact, we just sang it a moment ago, Every one of us is represented and is able to be covered by His mercy. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. If that's not you, then you've got to have your eyes open up today because that's all of us today. We are the weakest, we are the vilest, and we are the most poor. And He welcomes us in. He adopts us into His family, into His household. And we go from being servants to sons and daughters of the King who willingly gave up His life 
for us. It doesn't get much gooder than that, does it? Take your Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5. We're approaching the close of this series dealing with the beauty of Christ's church. And I hope that as we've gone through it, I hope that you have seen a little glimpse of how beautiful Christ's body and bride is. Today, we're going to look and focus in on the, the beautiful bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 21 through 33. Verse 21 through 33. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto the wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband, let us pray. Lord God, we come to you. We want to thank you for this day. We're grateful for the worship that we can lift up to you. Lord, such a, a small and a simple sacrifice, but God, may it be one of faith. May it be one of trust. May it be our spirit yielding to yours. I pray that now that you would preach and teach to your people. Lord, get me out of the way that you would guard, protect my heart, my mind, my tongue. Lord, protect your people today. Open up the hearts and the eyes of, of each one of us, Lord, that we might respond and receive your word today by faith. That we might see the beauty of Christ's bride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What makes a wedding beautiful? Y'all ever been to a wedding? If you're married, men, you, you went to a wedding, all right? <laughs> Just to help you out. If you've ever been to a wedding, what makes it beautiful? Is it the decorations? I've been to some ugly weddings, so it ain't the decorations. Right? Not ours. Ours is beautiful. Is it the clothing? I don't know. Matter of fact, you want to know what I wore on my wedding day? I wore these same britches. I wore different shoes. And I wore this same shirt, just a different tie. I'm still wearing it after seven years, and they, as many wrinkles as they have today, they had them on the wedding day as well. Now, is it the food that makes a wedding beautiful, right? Yeah, well, sometimes, right? That food, some, some of the reason why we RSVP to go to a wedding is because, hey, that's a free meal right there. We ain't got to cook that day. You're welcome, honey. We're counting this as a date, right? We'd all say no. What makes that wedding beautiful? The beauty of that wedding is the love between the bride and the groom. How about this? What makes a marriage beautiful? Let me ask you this. Do you agree with me that marriage is beautiful? Do you agree then at least this, that marriage ought to be beautiful? That's the case. Is it the house that makes the marriage beautiful that the couple lives in? Is it the nice cars and belongings is it the good landscape and lawn? Is it the kids? 
Is it the jobs that provide for all of the above? No. Once more, the beauty of the marriage is the love between husband and wife. Do you remember your wedding day? If, you get, if you've been married, if you've been married, raise your hand. All right? Okay. Now, keep your hand up if you remember your wedding day. All right. Now we're, now we're starting to look at one another. You remember it, don't you? Right? All right. I remember it. Now, I'm not going to go into all the gory details of the difficulty. I, I had to go through some stuff to get to that day that nobody knows about. It was, it was not good. Things were rocky. Not with me and her. We were good. It was rocky with everybody else. May 28, 2016, I wake up, nervous wreck. We go to Chick-fil-A with the guys, and we go, we, we're eating, and I'm thinking about all that's happened, all that's taken place, and it's a heavy day. Uh, people go, well, were you nervous to marry her? No, are you kidding me? It was, a, it was the coolest thing ever. A girl not only talked to me, she liked me enough to go through with it up to this point, so we're doing pretty good, right? If I can make it to the I do's, we're locked in, baby. We're good, right? That's, what I, that's my only focus. Make it to the I do's, we're good. We're gone, right? We're, we are hitched, and she can't say no, right? As the day goes, we get closer and closer, and nerves are starting to get up a little bit, and I'm out greeting everybody, and they're like, aren't you supposed to be back there? I'm like, yeah, but I'm too nervous, so I'm back there. So I'm back here, so I'm saying hi to everybody as they're coming in. I go to the back. Then we, uh, we kind of make our way in, right? We're about to walk in the sanctuary, and music plays specifically for the groom to walk in, and the, and uh, so you're standing there, and then, then I get to do this, right? You all, know the, you all know the wedding stance for men. Bend the knees, right? Left over right, show the watch, right? Pretend like you know how to dress yourself. But you know, no one really cared about how good I looked. Matter of fact, I don't remember anyone on my wedding day saying, that's a good-looking groom. <laughs> what I remember is that gut-dropping moment when everything goes quiet. Your guys are here. Her girls are here. And then much like this, because the sanctuary is much like this, we're down here, and then the double doors open up in the back. And music starts to play. And what happens? Nobody stood for the groom. But everybody stood for the bride. Some smiled for the groom, but everybody smiled for the bride. She makes that long walk down, and she is without spot or blemish or wrinkle on her clothes or her face. Amen? And I'm looking like I just woke up, doing the best I know how. But the perfect bride is walking down. The moment you've counted on apps and calendars and waited for this, and you say, well, my wedding day wasn't like that. I want you to know, my parents, you know how they got married? Their wedding day was gorgeous. Let me tell you about it. They wore matching T-shirts that had each other's names on it, and on the front it had a skull that said, only the strong survive. Because everybody said, it ain't going to last. 30 years down the road, they're still together, and I think they might make it. Wore blue jeans, and you know what? It's a beautiful wedding. They're at the justice of the peace, right? And then they both, one went to work, the other one went to go move the other one in. Doesn't matter so much about those things, does it? 
whether it's at the Justice of the Peace at the courthouse in a T-shirt or whether it's the most, and, you know, you're taking out a loan of a century to pay for this wedding. What matters is, does that groom and that bride love each other? What makes the church beautiful? She is the bride of Christ. He has prepared her and adorned her in His righteousness. He has given her His love and His life. And there will be nothing that will ever separate Him from her, nor keep His love from being lavished upon her, because to Christ, the church is most precious to Him. If we remember here in this passage that we just read, it says, So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies, for he that loveth his wife loveth himself. To all that, we'd say amen. Easy way to tell men if you love the Lord, how do you love your wife? That'll tell how you love the Lord, what you think of God. But the very next verse says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord church you want to know what Christ thinks about his church he nourishes and cherishes her you want to know what Christ thinks about Victory Baptist Church he nourishes Victory Way he cherishes Victory Way and all those who make up that local body and bride that are a part of the greater body and bride of Christ that belong to to the bridegroom who one day is coming back for his bride. What we see is that the church's beauty and loveliness are most vividly portrayed in the brilliant metaphor of her as the bride of Christ. In his instructions to husbands regarding the love they should have for their wives, the Apostle Paul writes, Love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her. And this stunning bride is arrayed in snow white garments, washed in the redeeming blood of Christ. Marriage is a sacred union that is designed by God to picture Christ's love for His people, for His bride. Today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some things that are going to show us Christ's beautiful bride. Most of us, when we think about church, we don't think about the word beautiful so much. We think about friendly church. We think about denomination. What denomination is, we call it that kind of church. We call this Baptist church. We call it Methodist church, Presbyterian church. We don't often think about beauty. Now we might go, oh, that's a beautiful church. And we're referencing what? The building. Oh, that's a beautiful pillars, beautiful steeple, beautiful grounds, beautiful landscaping. But what makes the church beautiful? It's not the ground, the landscaping. It is that Christ bled, died, bought, redeemed, loves, reconciles, restores, cleanses, purifies, preserves, does all those things for his church, for his bride. Today we're going to look at the relationship of the bride. We're going to look, Lord willing, if we have enough time, at the responsibility of the bride and the reward of the bride. Now, here's the thing, and we'll go ahead and jump into this. If you saw me at the end of the aisle and you had to walk down to me, you wouldn't think that's much for reward, would you? But you want to know for the church, when we see Christ, there is no greater reward. Jesus Christ Himself is not merely the rewarder, but He is our reward. Today, let's look here, beginning with the relationship of the bride. 
the passage begins here, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Here, what Paul has been doing thus far in this passage, we spent several weeks there in, in chapter 4. He's told us about all this doctrine, all the riches and the grace that is in Christ Jesus in chapter 1. He's talked to us about our salvation and in the union that we have with Christ, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that He's called us now, seated us in heavenly places, uh, given to us empowerment for good works. Uh, in chapter 3, uh, this continued idea and understanding of uh, this togetherness and unity as he then leads into chapter 4 being the unity of the body the, the, as we dealt with the, the ministry of the body, the maturing of the body, and we dealt with what that's to look like. And then we get into chapter 5. Chapter 5 begins with, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Ultimately, he talks about how we are to help one another. You back up just a few verses. He says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in the God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We see the way in which we're to interact with one another, to help one another. And then he comes, he says, Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So before we even get into the idea of wives and husbands, the idea for every church today, the way in which the bride of Christ here at Victory Baptist Church will be most beautiful is when we submit ourselves one to another in the fear of God. I wonder today uh, if, if you have an understanding of what this means to submit yourself to one another before God. You say, well, I don't submit to nobody. Well, we need to first of all submit ourselves to God. That is the fear of the Lord that drives us to, to knowledge and to wisdom and the application of both. To, to live by faith, to walk humbly before the face of our God. But as well, a humility before God leads us to have a humility before God's people. If there should ever be a, a, a description or characteristic of the church, of the bride, it should be that of humility. One of submitting and serving one another, as we talked about, being the body of Christ and helping one another, the, helping those that are afflicted. And he says in the fear of God, and then he gets into this analogy of the family and the church, and we can go ahead and understand this. Paul says in verse 32, the key for the whole passage. This is a great mystery. What is marriage and the church? Can you understand love? <laughs> Not really. Can you understand how God knits two people together who are polar opposites and unites them together in a holy bond of marriage? I can't understand that, and I'm married. And some of you have been married longer. If you've got that figured out, you let me know, because we'd love to know. But what does he say? Paul says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, here in this passage, what Paul is saying is, I'm going to give you some specific things husbands and wives, of how you're to live in the home. But remember, the reason why and the motivating factor of why you're to be a good husband and to be a good wife and mother and all of these things is to the Lord and His glory because He is the bridegroom and we are His bride. And He desires and deserves a pure bride, a bride in which that submits to His will and to His authority and to His moving and His leading and His guiding, trusting Him. And I want you to know, are there any perfect husbands out there? Not a one. Are there any perfect wives out there? One. None, right? Why? Because we're all in our flesh. But when we look to Christ, what we find is the perfect groom. He is not abusive. He does not fail. He does not have a cross word or a bad attitude. He does not have a sharp reaction or response. He does not complain about money or the house not being clean. No, He is a perfect groom. And He is creating a perfect bride for Himself that He will present to Himself. Now the church is the spiritual bride. There is no closer of a relationship than husband and wife. 
There are folks today who mistakenly say that there's no closer bond than a mother and child. I want you to know the closest bond that there ever should be and that God designed there to be is husband and wife. Uh, Dear parents, I encourage you. I know I'm not a parent yet, but but I want you to know this. I've seen this mistake because it has gone contrary to the Word of God and has led to a downfall of many marriages that I've seen. I could name them by the dozens. Is that we have replaced our spouse with our children. Do not do that. Your spouse is your spouse. Your children are meant to be raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and to be sent out to then go and marry and do likewise. To make their own disciples who grow up and make disciples, who grow up and make disciples, right? We see that's the cycle. But your wife will be with you until, what does the vow say? Till death do us part. That means forever. That means till death. That means it's serious. It's a covenant before God and before man. This is why we even say it. And I say this when I do weddings, right? This is, you're doing this right now. If everyone else was gone, you're still standing before God, your Creator, who created marriage and designed marriage and brought you two together. So therefore, you better make sure that you've got this right. There is no closer relationship. He said, well, how close is the bond of marriage? Paul tells us here in this very passage, for we are members of His body of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. The moment we had the wedding, you notice this, and, and I've had to do this when I perform weddings. At the beginning, you, 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 everyone comes down, right? They're there, they're standing there, now they're kind of holding hands. I always tell, tell couples, do this, smile, pretend like you like each other, right? You know, you're going to get through this. And what happens is we introduce them by their own individual names at the beginning of the service. But not at the end. What is it at the end? And now presenting to you for the first time, Mr. and Mrs. Joe Bryant. Why is that? Because it's no longer Joe by himself. It's no longer Cammy by herself. The two become one. This is how it was designed to be. And this is how it's always been designed to be. Why? Because it mirrors and pictures and reflect Christ and His church. This is why we, we run into a danger in today's society where we say, well, I love church, but uh, I'm not too big on, on Jesus. Or we have this, and this is the big popular one today. It's, I love Christ, but I just don't do the whole church thing. I want you to know, if you have a genuine love for Christ, you can't help but love His bride because He can't help but love His bride because He loves His bride more than anyone and anything. He loves His bride. The thing about this, men, doesn't get you ladies off the hook, but listen. Man, if someone says something bad about you, you can probably let it go, can't you? Right? I'd like to think. Someone says something about your bride. A little bit different, isn't it? Matter of fact, you can say what you want about me. I can let that go. I got round shoulders. You speak poorly about my wife. I'm going to have some words. Matter of fact, any husband who would not be able or willing to defend his wife, failing. See, Christ thinks so highly of his church. Not only did he lay down his life for her, but he continues to lay down his life for her day by day as an intercessory 
prayer for us as a mediator between His bride and the Father. As one who continues to pour out His work in the bride to purify her and to make her what she can be and one day will be when we are called out of here and meet our bridegroom in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Here's what we see. There is such a closeness here that the two become one. We find this back. at God established this in Genesis 2. This isn't something that Paul's making up. Genesis chapter 2, we have the first married couple. We have the first husband and wife. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Let me go back to verse 21. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. As Paul goes on to later say, the woman was made for the man to be a helpmeet unto man, to complete man. Therefore, shall a man... Well, let me back up. Adam says in verse 23, This is now... What is this? This woman is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. We see it again. And they were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. The only time there was ever a perfect marriage. The only time that there was a perfect husband and a perfect wife. The moment sin came in, marriage was ruined. The home was ruined because the devil does nothing today but seek to destroy marriages and families and destroy the lives of children and to distract husbands from the loving their wives and wives from loving their husbands and distracts them with everything else in life so that the marriage crumbles, so that the family crumbles, so that the church crumbles, so that society crumbles, and so that the world crumbles into his hands and he can say, look what I did. Whereas God does the exact opposite. He establishes a, a godly man and a godly woman and He brings them together to make them husband and wife. He allows them to have children, to bear children, to adopt children, to, to have kids and influence upon younger folks, to, to raise them up, to picture what Christ has done for us. We find that God's design and desire is for the family unit, specifically marriage, to reflect a greater image of grace in Christ's relationship with His bride of believers. And ultimately it is one of grace. I don't deserve a seat at God's table, let alone to be a part of the bride or body. Yet, what He has done is He has unified us together with Himself that we are now bone of His bone, flesh of His flesh, that we belong to Him as much as He belongs to us. And what we find is that now there is no separating, that there is unity with us, the bride, and Christ, the groom. We find in the Old Testament this idea of God speaking to His people, His believers, as if they are a wife. Why does He do this in the Old and New Testament? It is because He shows that marriage was to picture what the faith relationship of those who are saved should look like. That we belong to Him in such a way that nothing should be able to separate it or come between it. That we are one with Him. Isaiah 54 God is speaking to His people. He says, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou didst not travail with child. For more the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of the tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen uh, thy sakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right from the left, and, make, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make 
uh, desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood any more. For thy Maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the, whole one, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when thou wast refused, saith God. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. That is a promise that is coming. In a little wrath I, uh, I will I hide my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Later on in Hosea, Hosea says this. The whole idea of Hosea is that uh, it is picturing what Israel has done to God, that they have been his wife, they have been betrothed to him, and yet they have gone whoring after others and the love of another. Hosea 4, verse number 6, God speaks, he says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set uh, their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, the like priest. And I will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people, as counsel at their stocks and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. They sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains, and burn incense upon the hills under oaks and poplars and elms, because the shadow thereof is good. Therefore your daughter shall commit whoredom, and your spouses shall commit adultery. I will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom, nor your spouses when they commit adultery, for themselves are separated with whores, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. Though thou, Israel, play the harlot, yet let not Judah offend, and come not yet unto Gilgal, neither go ye up to Beth Haven, nor swear the Lord liveth, for Israel slideth back as backsliding heifer. Do you think God takes His people seriously? Do you think He takes the relationship with His people seriously? Absolutely. And what we then see here in the New Testament is Paul giving us this beautiful passage to show us that just as God had betrothed and given Himself wholly to Israel and they rejected Him, that He has given Himself completely to the church and made Him His bride, and that we are not to forsake our groom but rather we are to be the bride that He deserves. Let's be honest. We all know about church failures and church hurts. All of us has been hurt in church, and there's nothing that quite hurts like a church hurt. But nevertheless, we have to understand this, that the church must operate as a bride that is preparing herself to walk down the aisle to her groom. You want to know why? Because that day is coming where the Lord Himself shall descend and shall call His bride out of here and gather her up and bring her unto Himself. And so shall we ever be. If we know the wedding day is coming, we had better be ready now. Israel and the church alike are to be spiritual in union as a wife would be 
united to her husband, we find that we are not merely his body in the way in which he operates in this world, but we are his bride that belong to him spiritually and completely. God has given the church to Christ as his reward of obedient sacrifice and a bride to lavish his love and kindness upon. The Lord loves to do such. Christ loves to love His bride. Let me ask you, has there ever been a time in this church's history that Christ has ceased to love victory way? No. Has there ever been a time in your Christian life where Christ has ceased to love you? No. And so what we find is that His love does not fail, but rather it is a bond of which we can cling to and hold fast to to know that Jesus Christ, the perfect groom, loves us perfectly and completely even while we, yet we were unlovable, even while we were rebellious, even when we failed, even when we didn't love Him and submit to Him as we ought to, even when we were a poor excuse of a bride, marred and stained, yet He is cleansing us up and will present us to Himself glorious, and pure. The bride is united to Christ. The bride becomes one with her groom. She takes on His name. She has His love. She even has there, from that day forward, His very life. That He, like Christ in the church, will lay down His life if need be to save her. We find this unity together as we deal with the members of His body, of His flesh, of His bones, cleaving one to the other, that the two are now one flesh. You see, the bride is beautiful because her groom is beautiful. Now, when we think about my wedding and your wedding, Miss Cammie walking down the aisle was not beautiful because I looked good that day. Okay, y'all were really quiet, so I don't know if y'all just agreed with that or not. But yeah. That's all right. Your bride, dear husband, was not beautiful because you looked handsome that day. No. You see, the bride is beautiful because spiritually our groom, Jesus Christ, is beautiful. There is no name like His name. There is no one who has a character like Christ. There is no one who has loved us like Christ. There is no one who has ever done a work in our life like Christ has done, that He would save us from the depths of our sin, that He would snatch us from the miry clay and the depths of hell to save us and redeem us, to adopt us, uh, to bring us to His Father, to make us a part of His body and bride, to unite Himself with us. That's love. Binge writes that the church is beautiful because the lens through which Christ regards her is His cross. The focal point of blood Righteousness, forgiveness, union, justification, regeneration, and grace. His cross makes her beautiful. His perfection makes her beautiful. It is His sacrificial, substitutionary, sinless blood that washes her garments as white as snow. The cross of Christ makes her beautiful not only inwardly by justification, but also outwardly through sanctification. From giving second birth to final glory, the righteousness of Christ creates a beautiful church. You want to know what Jesus sees when He looks at His bride? He doesn't go, ooh. She's kind of looking rough today. She's got morning breath. Her hair's matted. What does He see about her right now? He sees her beauty. Why? Because she belongs to Him. You and I are very quick to find the faults of every church we've ever been a part of. We're quick to find the faults 
of all the things and all the people that are within that same church. We don't have the right to do it. Matter of fact, Jesus had a time where they brought to Him a woman who was caught in the middle of adultery. And He said to them, after writing down, He stands up and He goes, the one, whichever one of you is without sin, you go ahead and cast that first stone. And that's fine. One by one they left. Oldest to youngest. Another way of putting it, wisest to most unwise. One with humility down to the least. Now why do we bring that up? It is because when we look, you and I, we are easy to find the faults of the church and we are able to pick out well, this church does this, so they're garbage. This church, our own church, we've got this, and I don't like that, and I don't like this, and I don't like that. What do you like about the church? What do you like about the bride? You see, we're not merely to like things about the church. We are to love the church. We are not merely to like the things that the church offers us. We are to love the church as she is as the bride and to be a part of the body and the bride to make her more pure and protected and presentable to Christ the groom. That's your part to play. That's my part to play. When Christ looks at Victory Way today, He is the only one that has a right to nitpick. Christ is the only one that has a right to nitpick everything about this church from the pulpit to the pew and everything else around says, she's beautiful. I wonder, when's the last time that you thought as you pulled onto this parking lot, she's beautiful. When's the last time that you shook hands with your brothers and sisters in Christ and they're beautiful. Even the ones I don't like and even the ones that don't like me, they're beautiful. Why? Because they're part of the same body. They're part of the same bride. They belong to Christ. They're in union with Christ. That means they're united to me because the two have become one flesh. We are bone of His bones, flesh of His flesh. Therefore, this church, these people that make her are beautiful. Not because she's perfect, but because Christ says she's beautiful. I'll take what He says over what my heart often says, over what the, the words of others often say, Christ says His bride is beautiful. Christ is the spiritual husband and head. We find the spiritual bride, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and He is the Savior of the body. What does that make us? That makes the church acting as the wife, as the spouse, betrothed to her husband, that makes her uh, one who is to submit ourselves to the Lord. Christ as a spiritual husband and head. As the husband is to be the head of the home, Christ is to be the head over the hearts of His body and bride. Now here's the issue. We've got to understand this today. and We won't get into it today in depth. We'll have to pick this up next week. Husbands, wives, man, woman, Father, mother, are of equal worth and value. Let me say that again. Male or female in here today are of equal value and worth. Why? Made in the image and likeness of God. They belong to Christ who have been born again with equal value. But different job descriptions. This is what we have to understand is that today's world teaches us 
that one is better than the other or the one can be better than the other or one is this or that or what have you. One is more important than the other. There's a fight and a struggle between both. And here's what God says. I died for male and female to unite them to make them part of the body and bride of Christ where it no longer matters all these things and that we are drawn together in union with the Lord, our Savior, our Head, our Redeemer. But yet... We notice this, that he says that there's specific jobs for the husband to do and for the wives to do, for man to do, for woman to do. God determines this. He determined it back in Genesis 2 and 3. He determined it even back in Genesis 1 when he creates male and female. A female can only uh, reproduce with a male, and a male can only reproduce with a we find that the two need one another to procreate as God had commanded all of creation to do. But even more so, when he knits Adam and Eve together, he establishes that they are to work one with another in cohabitation as the wife being the helpmeet to the husband and the husband being the head of the home, the head of the children, the head of the family. And ultimately, as the head, as the head goes, goes the family. I've witnessed this in my own life growing up. My dad wanted nothing to do with church and things were rocky, but when God saved my father. It changed the family. And when God saves a husband, it changes the family. We've seen that here in this church. We've seen it in our own lives. Here's what we've got to see. It does not make the, the wife or the mother uh, inexcusable or unusable, but rather we find that the two have their own divine purpose from God Almighty to accomplish what only they can do. There are things that I can do that Miss Cammie can't do, and there's a whole lot of things that Miss Cammie can do that I can't do. Here's what we find. The husband is to be the head of the home in leadership and rule and authority. And yet, here's what happens. Most husbands today are not leading their wives to Christ. They're not leading their children to know the Lord. They're not leading by an example of what it means to walk with the Lord. They've left all the spiritual things to the mother. And now the mother is also working outside of the home, doing all the work in the home because the husband won't do it and trying to raise the kids to not be heathens. And now we've got a divided marriage, we've got a divided home, and we've got one that's not doing what he's supposed to do and the other one is now usurping and doing what she's not supposed to do to try to cover the bases of the one that's failing and now they're both failing. And the home slowly breaks apart and this is why we've got children who are having to go to therapy at 10 years old over divorces and over the trauma of the home. It shouldn't be. What we find is this. He has ordained what our home life is to look like. I want to tell you in simple terms, here's what your home's to look like and here's what my home is to look like. It is to look like Christ and His church. It is to picture the love of sacrifice, of a giving of oneself. You ever notice that love always has another object? In order to love your wife, you have to put your love, your sacrifice, into another human being that will fail you, that will discourage you at times, that will fall short, and you will do the same. And what we find is that it is God's grace that still reconciles and builds us and brings us back together as we seek the Lord. And the way in which husbands and wives will be closer together today in today's world is by getting closer to Christ. And what we find is that the church would be a better bride if we would learn to trust our groom more. The issue of our day in our churches is that we have begun to 
trust ourselves more with the work of God than to trust God with the work of God. We've begun to trust ourselves more with the Word of God based upon our own preference and ideas and theologies than we do trust God with His own Word. We have trusted ourselves with keeping ourselves pure more than we're trusting God to keep us pure. What we find is that the Lord, the Lord has been left out of this marriage. It should not be so. You see, as the husband is to be the head of the home, Christ to be the head over the hearts of His body and bride, meaning this, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body, is what verse 23 tells us. That means this. When the head of the body of Christ says move, she moves. When he says stay, she stays. When he says speak, she speaks. We must listen to the Lord our God, who is the head and authority of the church, but we also find that he is the head and the head of the home, if you will, being the husband, being the groom. He holds all authority, yes, over his body and bride. The issue with most of our own personal lives and Christian lives and church life is that we have not given him the preeminence in all things as he rightly deserves. But do not miss this. We began today's message with the fact of us all saying these simple words, Jesus loves me. We can try it again. One, two, three. Jesus loves me. Let that sink in. And here's what I want you to understand. Jesus does not merely hold all authority and lord over us as an abusive husband would or as an unbiblical or ungodly husband would, by the way. He does so with tender affection. There is none as loving and kind and generous and sacrificial and giving as Christ the groom for the bride. Jesus gives and gives and He loves and He loves and He sacrifices and He sacrifices. He sets His eyes upon the church He loves His church. What we find is that Christ, yes, has all authority, but He has all affection for His bride. I wonder two things today. One, are we submitting to His authority over the church? Are we submitting to His authority over our homes and in our homes as He ordered our homes to be and to operate? But as well as this, Are we aware of His affection for us? One of the most common excuses and reasons that folks divorce today that you hear all too often is this. We fell out of love. We just don't love each other like we used to. First of all, the longer you're married, you shouldn't love them like you used to. You should love them more now than you ever did. I want you to know Christ is God. And the Bible tells us, God tells us about Himself, God is love. Every attribute that God is and has, He is and has at all times to all, all power, all might, to the max and perfection. Whereas you and I do not. Where we fail, He is faithful. Where we don't love, He loves. Where we are not obedient, He is always right and just. And here's what we find about Jesus Christ and His church today. 
He loves her deeply. Christ sees His bride in the beauty and splendor of which He will bring her to in His future coming. Many of us get disgruntled with the church at how it's operating now or what has happened in the past. May we begin to see eyes with eyes of Christ and see what she's going to be. To see what God is making her to be. May we grow more in a love for our spouses, for our church, for our groom. Because He's coming. Both the bride and the bridegroom are bound by love. And that's what makes the wedding beautiful. That's what makes the marriage beautiful. That's what makes the church beautiful. Here's what we're told in Scripture. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 19, we love Him because He first loved us. I don't always know why my wife loves me. Any other husbands deal with that? Ten years ago this month, we, we met and began to date. In fact, tomorrow will be ten years since I conned her to sit outside the, the uh, hangout spot on campus by telling and asking her, hey, why don't we get together and, and share testimonies? How spiritual. <laughs> I, did, I don't even think I halfway cared if that girl was saved or not. I knew she was pretty, and if she's talking to me, I'm going to try to keep her talking to me. And a way to do that is tell me about yourself. What but about 10 days later, I was conned her again into being my girlfriend. I remember calling mom and dad. And I said, she's it. So I loved her first. And I love to probably too often remind her of that. She always says the assuring thing, well, I love you now, and that's what matters. <laughs> but I wonder, dear church, do we have the same love for our spouse as we once did? But let's get to the spiritual things because that will determine how we live our home and our marriages. Do we love Jesus Christ the groom as we ought to? I know for every groom, as we stood there anxiously awaiting the, our bride to walk down the aisle, our hearts... I don't know what hers felt like. I don't know if she was excited or... Any of those things, but I know this. Christ's heart beats for His bride. His heart bled for His bride. His body bled and was broken for His bride. He gave His life and took it up again to promise life to His bride. He has left His bride here in this world to make herself ready for the day in which He says, Come on! You and I who are not Jewish, we often misunderstand marriage because we only see it from our perspective. 
But here's what a Jewish marriage looked like. They were betrothed, which was legally binding. This was their engagement, but they were legally bound to each other. What we see is that they had not yet come together because what happens is during the betrothal period, they depart from each other. The wife goes over here to learn all the little tools and tricks to be a homemaker and a helpmeet of a wife and is learning so much and is growing and learning from the, the women in her life and family. And every day, now back then and today, we've got apps that tell us how long until we see our, our groom and how long until we get married and all these things. We're sending out invitations. You know, all the, the bride is doing so much to prep for that day of getting married. Most little girls have their weddings planned out long before they even talk to a boy. What's the groom over here doing? He said, I'll go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, I'll bring you to myself. What is that groom doing? He's not worrying about colors of clothes, ties, flowers, decorations, or even food. He's worried about preparing to finish his home for his wife. Because unless he finishes that, he can't go with his buddies with horns and trumpets blowing and get his bride and bring her to the day of the wedding. He cannot then become one flesh with her and begin that life with her. And so what we find is that Christ is always fulfilling His work, is He not? But are we? We must make ourselves ready because that day is coming when the horn will blow we will see our groom. We will be pure that day before Him because He will make us pure. A glorified body, glorified church, a glorious church unto Himself. But until that day, dear church of God, may we not let our love slip. May we begin as the bride of Christ to see the bride as Jesus Christ sees His bride. Today, I don't frankly care if you like coming to church. There's some days I don't. But we had every day better love the church. We had better love her. Why? Because our Lord loves her far more than we can ever understand or imagine. Today, as we bring this to a close, we didn't finish the message. That's okay. We'll get to part two next week. We'll wrap this up. As we come time for an invitation, I want to ask you first and foremost, have you been born again? Are you a part of the bride? Have you repented and trusted in Jesus Christ, the groom who laid down his life for you and loves you long before you ever knew about him, knew of him, or yet alone even loved him? Let me ask you, dear believers, uh, do you merely like the idea of attending church or, or do you actually love the church? Do you find it easier to nitpick her wrinkles and her spots here at Victory Way or do you go, oh, she belongs to Christ and she is beautiful? And are you doing all that you can today to make her more beautiful? That's our job to make ourselves ready because our groom is coming.
And may that be the motivation of every message, of every ministry, of every moment of our life as individuals in the corporate body. Let's all stand this morning. Today, if you need to come and be saved, let me take the Bible and show you Christ. Come. This altar is open. Do not hesitate. Today is a day of salvation is what the Lord says. But as this piano plays, this altar is open for you, dear church. Have you lost a love for the beauty of the bride? Do you not see Victory Way as beautiful as she once was? Do you only see the wrinkles and the spots? Or do you see Christ's love? Are you right now, dear church, making yourself ready for that groom? Would you come today? Perhaps, dear bride of Christ, you simply need to come and praise God for His great love for us. He has clothed us in His righteousness, cleansed us by His blood. He has united us together with Himself.